0: Thank you for checking out this resource from Grace Chapel. If you're interested in finding more resources or you'd like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by going to gconline.org forward slash watch. If the extra hour didn't wake you up, I pray that did. I'm excited to be sharing. We just wanna welcome those here, welcome those with us online. Uh, my name is Mike Tropea. I serve here as executive pastor and I'm excited to be able to share with you this week in another week of our community series, life as God intended it to be. But before I, I dive into the message, I just wanna share some updates uh, to you uh, at, for our body. Just wanna let you know some things that are happening, things to keep on your radar. One is this. we for years have participated in what's called Operation Christmas Child. It's our way of extending even a a practical, a box of of things that can have a supernatural Uh, amount that's given back towards those overseas and so we as a church have partnered in this for many years and we just want to let you know that the collection date of that is november 21st uh, here so bring your boxes back because uh, this is a collection site that you can drop them off throughout the week and you can put them in the grace house but we just wanted to let you know that's upcoming. And if you haven't grab a, grabbed a box, there's some I think still in the back, if I'm correct, um, just for us to partner with the world at large in spreading the message of Christ to our world. And number two, we have a celebration Sunday coming up on November 21st. This is a moment where, it's gonna be our culmination moment of our community series where not only are we gonna declare through song the greatness of our God, but we're gonna declare through baptisms and uh, child dedications and also new members to come around to see all that God is doing in the faith community here and the family that gathers here at Grace Chapel. So you're not gonna wanna miss that. That's at 8.30 and 11, um, the 21st of this month. And so if you are looking to actually dedicate your child, and that's just a moment where we can come around you as parents and say, hey, our responsibility as a church is to say, we're gonna equip the best we can to point your child towards Jesus. And we wanna come around you to disciple you to be the number one primary voice in their life and so if you would like to participate in that and come before the body with your child you can actually sign up at gconline.org events child dedication on november 21st and last but not least um, we have had the fortunate pleasure of having our wonderful office manager, Barb Holstrom, on board for the past 17 years. She's been a blessing to us, but she is actually transitioning into retirement at the end of December. So we are adding to our team a communications and administrative coordinator. And if that's something uh, that would interest you or you have the background for that, um, we are have a job description right on the welcome desk for you. Uh, give some details on it. It's a 32 hour week job, full time role, but it's we want the right people on the ship to to steer it in the right direction. And so this is gonna be a vital role in the life of our church. So we wanna let the church body know first before we open it up to anyone outside of it. So if that's something that interests you, uh, feel free free to reach out to me, or if anyone online, just feel free to mike at gconline.org. We wanna continue to go towards that and build our team rightly and healthy. So we're excited about all that God is doing. There's some exciting things that are happening And so we have been going towards this also, this new direction as a church body of community groups. We have been positioning ourselves in a a way where we just don't want to come to a Sunday morning and then just leave. We want to actually do life together. And sometimes that's great, and sometimes that's hard, and it can get messy. And so we have been going through a series for the past five weeks where we've been talking about our core values What are the things we're aiming at as we meet in smaller communities of faith where we're walking together? What are the things we wanna embody as a people? And so when we started off this series, it's founded on this idea of we need to devote personally our individual lives to Jesus. We need to walk in it on a daily basis, devoting to be built up in Christ. And then how that grows into engaging with one one another with intention. And how from there we need to show how we're living authentically with one another. Who are we and who are we not? And are we showing that to the people we're running with in weekly community? Last week, Barry spoke about how how it's important for us to exhort biblically. What does the Bible say about how to live? And how are we applying it to our lives? And so this week is kind of a a harder week because I'm gonna be talking about how we are to admonish faithfully within our communities. We, in our culture and time, really don't use this word often, or it's been weaponized in a lot of ways in our culture, Um, but admonished faithfully is is a warning, is a caution, and how we do that matters. And so before I go to define it in any depth, I just wanna share with you a story that might explain it a little better. Four weeks ago, I got the opportunity to share with you, I was an avid baseball card, sports card collector, growing up, but I also loved playing sports, elementary, middle school, high school, i played basketball baseball and football and i remember this one instance when i was in eighth grade i was on a all-star baseball team and i wasn't that good on the all-star team i was good on the average team the regular team but when i got to the all-star team i rode the bench and i was like i can't just sit here and do nothing and so there was this one game that came up and we uh you know those games where if anything can go wrong it does go wrong so we were up undefeated to this point, and so we couldn't hit, we couldn't pitch, we couldn't field, we had four errors that whole game, we just couldn't get it all together. But I was still, still there saying, if I'm going to be here, if I'm going to be present in the game, I'm going to be the best encourager I can possibly be. And so I was encouraging throughout the game, we won nothing, we were down in the first inning, five nothing, in the second inning, and I'm, I'm still going. Come on, guys, we got we, we got a shot, and you, you can when you are losing, you don't want to be encouraged. Oftentimes, you want to live in your own misery. And so my friends that are are listening to me are like, can you just leave me alone, you know? And so they're hearing this and then get to the next thing. And then I start to, my analytical mind starts to go and I, I go to my friend, Matt, Matt, you know what? You've been up three times. The pitcher's pitching fastball, fastball, curveball. You just need to be aware that this is coming. And so he's like, are you kidding me? You're sitting on the bench and you're telling me what to do? And so I'm like warning him and giving him a heads up and, and all of the time my, my teammates are like starting to resent me because we start to get down 10 nothing and they're like, the last thing I wanna do is listen to you. And so then my coach decides to put me in when we're down 15 nothing in the sixth inning and all of a sudden a hard ground ball is uh, hit to me it hits me in my face and i get a bloody nose right from the the ground ball and my uh, my teammates are cheering that i'm getting hurt because of how i encourage them (laughs) and so and so they are they are happy now but we are still losing 15 nothing we ended up getting on the scoreboard losing 16 to 1 and anyways, throughout that, that, that time, I was like, I, I just have to encourage, I just have to give people a heads up what's coming. And it wasn't in any malicious way, but it was a way to say, this is my involvement in the team. And just to make matters worse, at the end of the game, this is long before everyone received participation trophies in our time in state. Um, I, they used to give out game balls and wins, right? But this was the first time that I know of where I got a game ball for losing. I got a game ball in the loss by the coach who said, the only person who was alive today was Mike Tro- it was Tropea. Tropea was actually encouraging us, giving us hope when we didn't want any. And you wanna get your teammates more mad at you? Get a game ball in your loss, right? <laughs> that's just doesn't, that's just not how it goes. But what I did in that moment was really this idea of admonishing. It's, it's an encouragement. It's a making aware. It's a giving a understanding to what is happening, a warning. And I think with our relationships in general, within our culture at large, and even within our churches, we just don't do this well because it has been made to be something that's just to be stayed away from. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so I'm not going to say anything. And I believe this is the biggest gift, one of the biggest gifts in our relationship with one another to admonish rightly. And today I wanna talk about what does it mean to admonish faithfully? When I say that, what does it mean and why do we do it? What oftentimes gets in our way such as barriers that prevent us from admonishing faithfully? And then lastly, I wanna say, how do we do it well? How do we do it not only giving the admonish, but receiving the admonish from from those we're running in dedicated, deep community with? So if you will turn with me today, there'll be a few uh, verses I'll be speaking through from the beginning, it'll be right behind me. If you do have your Bibles, I always encourage you to use them. I'll be starting off with two verses in two different places. One is Colossians 3, verse 16. What does admonish faithfully actually mean? So Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So in this passage, admonishment is more of an encouragement in wisdom. Hey, this is the way that is the best way to go. We're encouraging one another in our admonishment. And the second verse I want to read is 1 Thessalonians 5, 14. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And here in the admonishment, it's one of warning, one of caution, Paul is saying, hey, heads up, give the people who are idle in their faith, who are not growing towards me, but pursuing the other things, give them admonishment, warning, that it's not gonna end well for them if they continue on towards their direction they're going. And the same word in the Greek is used in both places for one of encouraging and one of warning, this word, nuthateo, and in the Greek, the parts of it are nous, which means mine, or entetame, which means to place. So it's literally to place in the mind someone's for understanding in someone's mind. So to uh, to understand, to lay on someone's heart and mind, to encourage, to warn. I know oftentimes when we, we think of this, it's. The encouragement part is the easy part. The warning part is the one where are like, ah, I don't know if I wanna do that, right? It sometimes can be uh, a little tension. And this idea of iron sharpening iron actually requires heat. And that's where the idea of uh, it comes from. When you apply heat and tension, things can be created better than they were originally. They can become sharpened. And that's what this idea of admonishment is. And why is it necessary? Well, to impart understanding is because we wanna aim people towards growing in Christ and not just sitting idly by in their ways, just walking in this life, but we want people to grow in maturity towards Christ. And also we wanna encourage, hey, don't go that way because it will not end well for you. Because the Bible says this is the way of life and the way we can live it abundantly. So its admonishment is a good thing if done rightly. I don't know if you've experienced this, but even over the past 18, 20 months, we, I've, I've received a lot of admonishment, both good and bad. And sometimes we, we stay away from uh, admonishment because it, oftentimes it's been done admonishing critically, right? In a critical way where we say, hey, I just, want to, I just want you to hear me. I want you to hear my position. I don't care about your result of it. I just wanna be heard and you should go this way. And I'm like, because we get it a lot. Because the goal of that admonishment is just to win an argument. It's not to win your brother or sister. It's to win an argument, a win a voice to be heard. And I believe today, church, we need admonishment that aims at winning our brother and sister and not winning an argument. Because if we do that, if we do that rightly, our, uh, our church family, our community groups that we're running with can look more and more like Jesus but sometimes it requires a right wound in the right spirit to help flourish even greater. And let me give you an example of how I walked through this myself. My wife and I, a few years back, we were invited into a conversation with with a couple. They had a number of kids and the family member actually invited us into the conversation. Um, We had had walked with this couple for many years and we've been at the same conversation of, of where they're at Many times. And so we got to, we, we, my wife and I were brought in and we were sitting down and I was processing before the conversation in many ways what I was going to say, how I was going to say it, just to sift my own heart. <sighs> And so we arrived at the place and um, the family member that was there said, hey, I think you guys just need to talk better to each other. I just think you just need to be kinder to each other. And I've heard that like four times before in the same conversation. And then I was, my wife could see me like amping up a little bit and I was like pacing internally. I wasn't pacing physically like I am right now, but I was pacing internally in my mind to say, we're, we're talking about the wrong thing. And so finally, I just get to the point where I was like, it wasn't an explosion, it was very passionate, I'll be honest with you there, but I said, hey, we're, we're talking about the wrong thing. It's not that you need to be kinder, it's, need, it's the fact that you need to know Jesus and need to walk with him because all the other things are symptoms of the problem, of the root cause. And I had to lovingly put a knife in and and have have this person bleed, these two people bleed a little bit in order to understand how they were to grow. But that wound, what it did, this loving wound in a right spirit, in a passionate spirit, but in the right loving way, what it did, as soon as I did that, they broke down crying. And I was sitting there saying, what did I just do? You know what I mean? I was like, what is happening? But then they came up and said, you're right. We've been trying to answer this in in cleaning up our language, in cleaning up how we argue with one another, but the root cause isn't that. just the fact that we, we haven't had a rootedness in Jesus. And they had peripherals around faith, but they didn't know him deeply. They weren't devoted personally. And so the wound produced growth and flourishing that they wouldn't have gotten if they just said, hey, just clean up your, how you talk to one another. But it's because I admonished faithfully with love at the forefront and not criticality at them, but it was aimed to win them instead of winning in an argument. And today, church, I believe if we do that right, if we admonish faithfully, our community groups grow, us as individuals grow, and our church body flourishes as God originally designed it to be. Have you been a part of getting admonished rightly? Have you experienced that? Or maybe you're on the other end where you've gotten admonished critically and it's actually pushed you away from God's goodness. Today, I wanna talk about what are the things that are hindering us from doing this rightly so that we can build as a church to do it in our inner relationships better and better and to receive admonishment better and better. And this note I have here is, before I transition, it's this idea, is the biblical goal of our admonishment in relationship should always be Christ-likeness. Any other goal is unbiblical. The biblical goal of our admonishment in relationship should always be Christ-likeness. Any other goal is unbiblical. Because it's not about winning an argument, it's about winning our brother or sister towards Jesus. And so the second point I wanna make are what barriers get in our way from admonishing one another faithfully. I know in me even approaching this, a few things came to mind and what barriers get in our way. We, we sometimes don't wanna do any admonishment because we're f- fearful of a changed relationship with that person. And I think sometimes that's a, a, an escape, a, a, an excuse we do because if we never walk in in deep relationship with one another and we see our friends and people we love walking away, I think it's more unloving to let them continue to walk that way than to say something, right? It's more unloving to let them continue into sin sin that will pull them away from God than than to, to speak up and be afraid to slice them because we're worried about a fear of change relationship. And today I'm asking, is that something that you're fearful of? Because I believe if we engage conflict as an opportunity, instead of something to be um, run away from, this is the way we grow deep, where our roots grow deeper with one another. When we see it as an opportunity to grow, not something to be avoided. Matthew 18, um, verse 15 says this. Many of us know it. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. It goes on to talk about how you handle conflict better, but I put that before you to say, hey, the fact is you might gain your brother in greater measure than you, you had in a relationship with him prior, and that's the win. So guess what? Yeah, you might lose the relationship, but the fact is you were faithful in it and you didn't shy away from the changed relationship because you feared. You stepped into it because that's what God has called us to admonish the island, walk with one another. So one barrier that gets in the way is fear of a changed relationship. Sometimes a fear of self is a barrier, right? Fear of what people may think of me. I don't have my stuff together. I don't have it all figured out, so how can I do the admonishing with my brother or sister? How can I do that because it doesn't feel right because I, I, ha- I haven't cleaned up myself. Well, I, 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 I attribute it to this too. Every Sunday, Barry, myself, Elijah, whoever else is speaking, we come up here and, and share with you. But I wanna tell you honestly, we all walk with a limp. Our, stu- our poop stinks, I don't know if I could say that on live stream, but the fact is it's true. Our stuff stinks too. But the fact is we serve a great God whose perfect resume accomplished what we can never accomplish and we live in light of that truth. And so today we can stand with boldness before the throne like Elijah was talking about because of what he did and we can share share, uh, admonish and warn you, hey, don't go this way because he first went before us and did it perfectly. So if we're fearing self, I think that's selfish. And is that a barrier getting in your way that you think you have to be cleaned up? But that is the beauty of Christ's sacrifice because he has cleaned the slate for us so we can step into this relational tension and say, hey, this is something I wanna put in front of you. I know what I walk through and I'm willing to walk with you through it, but will you just take my advice because I love you? And this is what the Bible says on how to live. And lastly, another barrier that gets in the way. There's many barriers that get in the way. I think it's pride. Pride is a barrier that gets in the way of admonishing rightly. We try to be heard and validated without a desire to see the growth in Christ. That's what we desire in our relationships, in our admonishment with one another. Galatians 6.1 speaks to this, where it says this, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should, uh, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch yourself, lest you too be tempted. What Paul is, is speaking to the Galatian churches and to the believer there is to say, hey, just keep an eye on yourself because you're gonna make sure that when you deliver this admonishment, you're not doing it with a plank in your own eye, doing it out of a place of poison. Have you ever given admonishment from a place of poison and brokenness yourself? It doesn't end well and actually pushes pushes people away from you and creates, creates distance in relationships. And I believe that's one of our barriers in admonishing faithfully because that doesn't produce growth and help and human flourishing. If anything, it produces death and division and further divide. Have you ever been in your admonishment, have any of these three things been in your view? Like, I, you know, I, just, don't wanna, I just don't wanna disrupt the apple cart and you know, just make this relationship, diff- the dynamic different. No, I don't have it all together myself, but uh, you, know, I just, uh, I, you know, it's just better off that they're that way so they can. I'm like, how, what are we doing to ourselves, church? What barriers are we putting in our own way from admonishing faithfully as God has called us and intended his church to do together well. One of the things I, I in reading um the Gospels, you see this, this play out in Jesus' life. In John six and seven. Uh, Jesus gets done with feeding five thousand people. Miracles are happening. Signs and wonders are happening in his midst. And he has all these disciples following him across the Sea of Galilee, across to the other side. And then he makes this audacious claim. He says, now, if you wanna follow me, if you wanna have eternal light, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, right? He makes this crazy claim that, you're like, that people are like, what is happening? The Jews know that he's talking, really relating himself to the bread of life and being from God himself. So their anger, the disciples that have been walking with him said, does this guy have a screw loose? What is he talking about? Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. And then what it goes on to say in seven is the fact that many of the disciples fell away. And then he just, uh, turns to his 12 and he says, are you guys gonna, you guys gonna leave me too? Are you guys gonna leave me because I made this audacious claim? He was warning them. He was saying, "This is what you need to do; otherwise, it's not going to go well for you. Eat of my uh, flesh and drink of my blood." He said, "Are you going to desert me too?" I think it's Simon Peter. He, he he speaks up and he says, "Hey, you know, you have the words of eternal life. Where else would we go? We've left everything for you. We're going to continue to follow you." Jesus didn't stand at a distance and fear the changed relationship. He didn't fear uh, self-preservation or he didn't do it in a prideful way. He said, if I don't do this admonishment, it will not be good for them because they won't understand. They'll be living off of my signs and wonders and my stuff and not living off of me. And so I'm asking you today in your relationships, are you preserving yourself? Are you fearing changed relationships or are you walking in a prideful way where you're delivering admonishment with the wrong spirit? Is that a barrier getting in the way of you admonishing faithfully? So how do we as believers, I've talked about what it is, I've talked about barriers that get in the way, how do we admonish faithfully, both do the admonishing, but also receive admonishment as well? Well, we opened with Colossians 3, uh, 3 verses, uh, verse 16, and I wanna read just before that. In Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15, it gives us the posture in which we must do the admonishing and also receive the admonishing. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on what? Love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, in one community, and be thankful. So what we must do, church, in our, the two positions of receiving the admonishing and doing the admonishing is this, love and, and humility must be present in doing the admonishing, and love and humility must be present in receiving the admonishing. Because it binds all things together. I remember there was another situation that happened a few years later where I was someone that I deeply loved and cared for they were they were weren't living in a way that God had called them to live and they confessed faith and i loved them and i ran with them in relationship for a period of time and it was starting to affect other things affect other people and i said hey i was internally i was i was had to take a moment away and pray and say how do i approach this situation god because i love this person but i also want to punch him in the teeth because the reality is that's what I wanted to do. That was, that was at work in me, but I wanted it to be done in a way that, that it was caught, that it would make an impact. So we didn't have to go around these circles again and again and again. And so finally I came and I was a little jittery, and yes, there's, there's, there's feelings that arise in you, but I said, hey, this can't continue on and this is leaking over into things and it's not an easy conversation to have, but I had to present it with a, hey, the aim is I love you and I can't continue to walk in this with you if you walk this way. It didn't feel good, but it was delivered with love and humility saying, hey, this is not out of a poisonous place, but out of a place of life and care for you. And when it's done that way, it produces life. The Holy Spirit takes that and produces life and he can do that. And I just left the results to God and see where it landed. So in love and humility, we must share the admonishment with those we walk with because we're gonna be walking in community groups for a long time, folks. And when we get off campus and we're encouraging one another throughout the week, what happens? And we're, what happens is you, you, you see the mess of life with people. And I, I think that's a good thing. We just don't need to button up on Sunday morning and say, everything's all good, let's go. When we're, when we're honestly broken inside, but we can walk with one another saying, this is what I'm seeing in your life and I don't want it to end badly and this is what the Bible says about how to live and I wanna walk with you towards that point and I can't let you be alone going towards your own endeavors but I'm gonna love you because my stuff stinks too like I talked about before but we're going to pursue Jesus together. And as much as that seems like, oh, that's easy for you to say, it's not easy for me to say, I have to be intentional with that I have to remind myself daily that I'm being sanctified and grown today so I can walk with others towards that point. But we have to do the admonishing rightly where we're caring for one another and walking with them. And lastly, the posture in which we must receive admonishment must be right as well, and it must be done. It must be received with love and humility. A few weeks ago, I shared this example with um, you all and um, in my devote personally, but it applies again here. You want to receive admonishment, ask people for feedback of you as a person. <laughs> as, and So I invited Barry and Elijah in to say, hey, I came back from vacation. I said, hey, what are areas that I can grow as a leader, as a person? And so again, you want admonishment to be received, that was a welcome invitation to throw it on me. And so Barry mentioned to me some things in the side, but I, I mentioned this about Elijah. He said one thing that was, that's sticking with me today. He says, hey, he came in, he was like, I, I, I've been thinking about what you asked me. He thought on it for a few days and he said this. He's like, hey, do you think you have a savior complex where you think you need to rescue everything? And I wouldn't lie to say, I just wanted to just punch him in his teeth <laughs> because I did want to and I was doing it in my head and I was like, this is, this is going down. But the beautiful thing about that was my hair went up and my flesh went up on the back and the hair went up on the back of my neck, right? Because that's just what we do, we like to defend. We like to defend ourselves, our false sense of self. But what that did to me, I have been living off of that truth because yes, I do struggle with that mindset of I have to save everything and I have to play the role of Christ where he has called me to submit the role and, and the body is to live together and I, I have to feel like I have to do this to have some self-worth. And he was right. But the beautiful thing of why that hit is because he didn't do it in a way of saying, this is the way you are. He said, hey, I've been praying about this. I've been thinking about this. And he said, I, he put it before me in a loving and humble way. And for the past eight weeks, that has transformed how I live. That's transformed how I view myself, what I do and what I don't do, because the reality is it was true about me and someone loved me enough to tell me. And I think if we don't do this church, we're missing one of God's beautiful graces he has given us in relationship with one another to do this right, to do this well, to do this in love, to do this with humility. And so in love and humility, we must give admonishment and in love and humility, we must receive admonishment. Because here is the reason why we can do it rightly and faithfully. We can admonish faithfully because he was perfectly faithful. Our admonishment can be full of life because Christ went ahead of us and accomplished what he could only do because we couldn't work our ways to him. We couldn't try hard enough. We couldn't get ourselves together. We couldn't cure our own soul because we tried to go our own way and it ended horribly. And we've been living in the, in the circumstances of that sin and death today. But the beautiful thing of the gospel is because he went before us and did it perfectly. So now that we can learn with one another, grow towards Jesus because we have the perfect example. And his spirit is now living in us for those who've accepted him. And so I don't brag that I have been admonished faithfully. I'm just saying, hey, I'm a servant of him. I want to follow his example. Jesus, help me, because you have been perfectly faithful. And when we do this right, church, I can, I can guarantee, this is a guarantee, we will grow. We will look more like Jesus. And when he comes to return, we will be as he, de- he designed it to be, perfect and white as snow as his bridegroom with him. And that is why we celebrate That is why we do this and that's why we're aiming towards these things to do better and it takes time, but it's good and right as God has designed us to be in relationship with one another. So in closing, before I close, are we admonishing faithfully? Are we admonishing in a way that doesn't win an argument but wins our brother and sister? And are we receiving and giving admonishment with love and humility as our precursors and to do it? rightly those are the things I want to lay before you as we close and I believe we can get this and we will as we progress into what God has for us as community groups, as a church family and in our personal relationships with one another let's pray together Jesus thank you for being perfectly faithful thank you for going before us walking perfectly taking on all of the sin and brokenness on the world upon yourself god so we can live in light of that and power and grace god we didn't deserve any of it but you sent the thing that was the most precious to you and sin crushed him and god we just stand here saying thank you God, we ask you to give life to our individual bodies. We ask you to give life to our community groups who can do deeply rooted work in our lives where we're walking with one another, not just in personal devotion or living authentically, but admonishing as you has designed us to admonish, both encouraging and in warning one another towards Christ-likeness. God, we need you. Jesus, sanctify us. Bring those who don't know you into a relationship with you by declaring, I need you, Jesus. And we just want that today. Continue to be in our communities. Continue to be in how we walk with you, God, as we pursue a right relationship with you in the here and now. Thank you, Jesus, for wiping the slate clean. We need you and we love you. In Jesus' holy, precious, and mighty name, amen.